Again, episode eight. Today on this episode, we talk about anarcho-capitalism. Is that a thing? Really? And today, Byron Lopez gives us another activist profile. My name is Brandon Peyton Carrillo. I'll be your host today. How about we get started? Byron, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and you? I am absolutely amazing. So, from what I understand, we're going to talk about anarcho-capitalism. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> the, the other anarchism that all the other uh, anarchists don't talk about. Exactly. The secret anarchism. <laughs> yeah, the red-headed stepchild. <laughs> yes. So, what is anarcho-capitalism? Well, um, you know, quote, anarcho, unquote, capitalism is this very strange ideology that kind of came out um, of uh, the 1950s as kind of a backlash to uh, communism and, and like more prominent um, anar- you know, anarcho-communism, anarcho-collectivism, anarcho-syndicalism that essentially I, I, I consider it liberalism, like all the – idealism and utopianism of liberals that liberals have of capitalism take to the utmost extreme. They're, as the name implies, they're capitalists who don't like the state. Um, even it creates a lot of issues, um, like practically. Um, they, for some reason, they like have become a kind of a, almost a meme nowadays on like 4chan or on Twitter or on any other shitty mobile like social media site. So what is the difference between being an anarcho-capitalist and being just a right-wing libertarian? I like to use the kind of the, the reference of it's like comparing a democratic socialist who would in this case just be like a normal libertarian to like an anarcho-communist who in this case would be an anarcho-capitalist in that they kind of take the, the kind of basis, um, like the, the base ideals and kind of push them even more. Um, in the sake of uh, anarcho-capitalists, like the difference was like libertarians ultimately still want a state. They still want like a military. They still want like some form of state there to like regulate um, contracts to make sure that contracts are enforced, to make sure there's a police force, stuff like that, uh, to protect private property rights. Uh, but anarcho-capitalists uh, have it in their heads that uh, you don't need the state to protect private property. Um, that private property is this kind of is this some sort of natural right um, that just kind of uh, that like is you know almost God given. Um, that that you don't need police to protect your property from people just coming by and just using it because they want to. Um, you don't need the state to manage contracts as a as a independent third party. Um, you can you can do all that stuff through um, through the market. Through you know through private property rights, and that's and that's really the main difference from like a more 
mainstream, you know, sadly mainstream libertarian. Wow, I can see a lot of holes in that argument already. Yeah, there are a lot of holes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, like Swiss cheese. <laughs> totally. So what would be the anarcho-capitalist utopia? What would that look like? Uh, yeah, there, there's a meme going around called Ad Capistan, um, where where there is no uh, where there you know is no state where um, you know corporations uh, run everything. Everyone's like everyone imagines themselves as like a one as a, like a one person corporation trying to get as much value as they can for their labor or for or from their capital. Um, where everything just magically works. People invest in roads, even though like. There is no real profit. Like it does not enough profit motive to do so. Like, but roads exist. Um, private security forces do everything, but like, don't become draconian and like just start fucking killing everyone. <laughs> and like, um, you know, where there's like a respectable back and forth between the capitalist and the laborer, where like they both know their you know capitalism works best for everyone. And maybe one day, if you you know pull yourself up by, by your bootstrap uh, by your bootstraps enough, you you too can become a capitalist. Um, all of these, like, just you know, fantasies. You know, like that. That that really is the the the, the future. Is you know, they imagine themselves as kind of benevolent, um, you know, like you know, benevolent givers of jobs. But in reality, they would become basically neo feudalists, where like corporations basically own you for all intents and purposes. Like you, you everyone's too poor to really leave where they're born. Uh, so you're essentially tied to the land <laughs> or, or tied to your to your factory or whatever, um, where everything is incredibly uh, precarious because there's no uh, states to even, you know, to make manage and, you know, fucking keep things from like just spiraling out of control. Uh, you know, it's like McDonald's and uh, Burger King go to war over like territory because like there's no third party to manage contracts um, and to make sure that you know competition doesn't become war. You know, like stuff like that. It's 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 a weird ideology. I I never know how it's become so popular. Like how it's become like kind of ironically popular online. Wow. You know, I would really would like to see the burger wars, but I know. <laughs> What that means, that our society has went horribly awry. So yeah. who, who believes this shit? Uh, libertarians who've just kind of gone off the deep like, – I mean libertarianism, which I, I hate the word libertarianism because uh, the, the right-wing market capitalists stole that from anarchists, like actual anarchists. Yes. Um, I, I can get – so a little backstory. Uh, uh, libertarianism – uh, came up as like an alternative to, for anarchists to call themselves after uh, the government of France under Louis Napoleon III um, banned the word anarchist from public discourse. Like they banned a word. So it's like, okay, we'll just call ourselves libertarians. And then like in 1950, I think it was Rothbard, uh, I think it was Rothbard or Friedman um, in a book literally went about and like bragged about how they stole the word libertarian from like the left wing. And like ever since then, like if you go to the United States and someone in the UK, you call yourself a libertarian. It mean it means you're like a classical liberal, like you know, minimum government, uh, more uh, more market freedoms, more property rights, all that kind of stuff. But if you go to Europe, like mainland Europe, and you call yourself a libertarian, it's like, oh shit, cool. Here's a Molotov. Let's go burn that bank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 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 yeah, like it's it like these. Like, ANCAPs are mainly, like, 
those like you know propertarians. I prefer to call them propertarians. They're propertarians who kind of gone off the deep end um, and just have funneled into their ideology so much that they fundamentally believe that you know capitalism doesn't need the state. Um, either either it never needed the state to begin with, or um, it has or the state has outlived its usefulness. Which actually like I actually kind of agree with them. Like I I think capitalism is at the stage where it doesn't need. Uh, the state anymore to really function like you can have like mega corporations run everything and it's terrifying i don't want that but i can totally see it so maybe they're a little right about that i'll, I'll give the devil its due um but it's it's that and it's also crypto fascists um either people on the way to fascism or um those who already are want to kind of cover it up with like oh we should uh we should have corporations run everything basically uh make sure everyone's a slave again <laughs> Uh, as like somehow they they bring ethno nationalism into it, even though it doesn't make any sense, but they try to anyway. It's it's very much a weird hodgepodge of like people who are making good faith arguments that are incorrect, but still good faith, um, and those who are just using it as like a cover for like far more nefarious purposes. So yeah. Donald Trump would would an would an cap love Donald Trump? Um, depends. Like, I know some ANCAPs kind of liked him at the beginning, but ever since, like, um, because of his, like, um, but, like, he he kind of lost a lot of people when he started going against free trade. Like, fucking, if there's one thing, like, ANCAPs love is, like, free markets, or, you know, quote-unquote free markets, um, where, like, people can be squeezed out of their, you know, labor power for as much as possible, with little with little back and wages, um, they love that shit. But like, but like, but Trump is like more of a protectionist. He's more of a like we should like kind of retreat from the global market and um, make sure that government is like with tariffs and other you know and sanctions come back that we that you know, the government can kind of claw back power in the marketplace. Um, so he's he's kind of lost a few of those people. Like a few of them are still with him because of just the ethno nationalist component. That's like a very big part of anarcho-capitalist like subculture, um, but for the most part, they they don't really care for him all that much. Here's a question, and this is just obviously this is anecdotal. I don't expect yeah. you to have any numbers on this, but what is the percentage of ANCAPs that you think are people of color? Very few. Like it's it's kind of like the uh, the Jordan Peterson question, where it's like he you know, Jordan Peterson posted on Twitter. It's like why is ninety two percent of all my viewership male? And so like at no point do they really think about. Uh, why? It's the same with the anarcho- with the ANCAPs. Um, it's very much a white, uh, almost downwardly mobile middle class uh, who, who, who are from the upper middle class, usually lives of privilege. Um, and, and they very much don't care for like people of color because like plus a good chunk of them are like out now basically nazis like for the most part um who are like market liberal nazis (laughs) i I like to call them um 
So like, and they're very antagonistic towards people of color. Like the, the few that are there, um, there are like a few people of color. They're more there for like to act as shields, kind of like the oh, I have a black friend, so how can I be racist? Um, kind of defense, um, kind of useful idiots, if if you want to call them that. Um, where, but like for the most part, no, it's it's predominantly white. It's predominantly middle class. Um, there's no like, there's no, there's not, no, there's no actual like capitalists who are anarcho-capitalists because they're all like smart enough to realize that you need the state. Even the Koch brothers who are like more traditional libertarians, like do their best, like to make sure the government works for them rather than like, uh, and like to influence the government rather than minimize the government. Like even they're smart enough to do that. So like, so yeah, like it, there, there's very little POs, like very little POC representation, representation within the ANCAP subculture. All right. Well, that's good to know, because I, <laughs> I would be scared if you're like, well, actually, X Y Z is is into that. So, in a larger anarchist community, what's the relationship with ANCAPs? So the other anarchists, uh, both collectivist and individualist anarchism, like the both those schools of anarchists. Um, they hate fucking ANCAPs. Like we hate ANCAPs, and for good reason. Like the origins of their ideology, uh, of their ideology, uh, of their ideology is radically different from ours. It's not in the same like family tree. They're basically just a bunch of like, um, like classical, like you know, like classical, li- like old school liberal party during like the British Empire, um, during like the height of the British Empire, um, who were like, oh, minimal government, uh, free market, all that kind of stuff. Um, they're basically just them on, on like PCP. Um, they, they have little little to do with anarchism at all. Like they all like they are supposedly against hierarchy um, and un you know and uh, unjustified authority. But like they uphold one of the biggest you know authorities in, in the world, which is capitalism and like and sexism and like uh, and even in some cases imperialism um, and all these other you know hierarchies that you know are socially created. Um, and these ANCAPs act- actively uphold, you know, uh, they're incredibly racist. They are incredibly sexist. Um, like, like if there's a Venn diagram of like incels and ANCAPs, it'd be like almost a full circle. Um, oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's so like, so, uh, for, so the rest of us anarchists, like anarcho communists, even like anarcho, uh, even like egoists who are more, who are, like the peak individualists, like even they are like, like what? Like what do you mean you leave a private property? It's like, like everyone knows private property is a spook. It, it doesn't exist. It doesn't have any actual physical force on reality other than by the people who who enforce the idea. Um, so like we very much consider them a, an ideological enemy and part of the far right coalition um, because like there's again there's a lot of overlap between the alt the, between the alt right um, and end caps. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of crossover. There's a lot of there's very much a, a pipeline. Um, to just outright fascism that's part of like the libertarian to ANCAP to anarcho-nationalist to just outright fascist like pipeline um, it does exist um, and so we consider ANCAPs part of that so we consider them our ideological enemy just like fascists just like you know liberals just like um, you know everything in between so yeah, they, we we don't like them. We prefer to we, we we try to ask them to stop using the anarcho part of capitalism uh, to just drop that because they're not anarchists in any way, shape, or form. 
they uphold hierarchies, so screw them. <laughs> they do not have, yeah. Well, sounds like they just overall suck. Yes, they suck. Thank you, Byron. No, th- thank you for, for letting me hate on them for like 15 minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, this is necessary. This much necessary. Hey gang, so every once in a while on the Movement of Color podcast, we like to shed a little bit of a light on activists that are actually doing the work. They're out in the communities, they're building their communities, they're fighting for their values and social justice, or the solidarity economy, or maybe they're doing something really badass as far as arts and culture. So Byron Lopez is interviewing one of his fellow Californians. And you know, without further ado, I just let I let Byron handle it. Uh, hi, this is Byron from the Movement of Color podcast. Uh, I'm here with my guest, Adrian. Uh, Adrian, awesome. So, uh, first off, well, you know, what are you like ethnically? Ethnically, I'm Mexican all around. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Not, not the white Mexicans, right? No, not, not the, I'm very, very uh, brown. <laughs> uh, yeah, because that's like a weird thing in Mexico. There's like like weird neo-Nazis, like Mexicans who think they're white. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very dark. <laughs> awesome. Um, all right. Um, so you want to tell us what organization that you're part of? Uh, currently I'm only a member of the Democratic Socialists of America, but I do work with pretty much all other leftist organizations, but I'm not a member, even though I show up to their events or their protests. Uh, for example, like the Party for Socialism and Liberation or Socialist Party USA or Refuse Fascism. And that, that's about it. I have acquaintances and friends in those. Um, but I'm not a member of those. Awesome. Cool. Um, all right. So, you know, to start off, uh, kind of what was the moment that you kind of realized that you were, you know, at least some form of socialist, like your, your, your personal ideological origin story that I think being a minority in America makes you more susceptible or just makes you more wary of the two-party system to begin with. I think I started calling myself a socialist in like 2015, 2016. Um, But I really didn't become active until only 2017. So I've only been active in in like protest movement uh, for a short period of time, almost a little bit over a year. But it wasn't the Republicans or... The fascists in America that made me socialist, it was the failure of the Democratic Party. It really was. It, was, it wasn't even s- seeing Bernie being burned by the Democratic Party establishment. The majority of the Democrats in the primaries voted for Hillary. And that's the problem, is that the base of the Democratic Party is a moderate, centrist party. Um, so yeah, it, it was the Democrats failing on literally everything. That and that's what that's what made me break away from the Democrats. 
They fail. They use DACA and TPS as like bargaining tools. Um, they give the working class peanuts. They, you know, we uh, us socialists say, well, maybe the minimum wage should be try, uh, tied to productivity, or you know, the progressives are demanding fifteen dollar minimum wage, and they'll say, how about we go for ten dollars minimum wage? Um, we're supposed to live in California, right? But we have the highest tuition, uh, community college tuition in the country. They're raising, they're constantly raising the tuition for the Cal State and UC system. We don't have Medicare for all in California. So how and like, and the Demo- and the Democratic Party rules and controls California. And we don't have any, even, we don't even have a social democracy in California. And it's run by the Democrats. You know, so they failed, they failed the working class on housing. They failed the working class on education and healthcare and, and everything else. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, just to kind of get a little bit of my thing, kind of connect and like, you know, especially growing up POC, like it, it's like somehow worse than like it normally usually is. Cause you know, at least if you're, if you're white, you do have at least that small little buffer, even though it's almost minuscule nowadays, it's still there. Um, but you know, growing up in communities that are far more likely to be have like police shootings and that are far more likely to be just, you know, uh, very low income to be, you know, constantly haunted, you know, as, as you know, Mexican, like haunted by ice, um, regardless of whether or not you're undocumented or not, like it's still something you should be afraid, like you're afraid of, not necessarily for yourself, but for like family or friends having that cause and fear. Um, it's, it's very difficult. It's a very difficult thing to, to, you know, to be, um, Latino in even, you know, Southern California, which you, you assume, you know, everyone assumes like, oh, it's, Cal- it's again, it's California, right? Yeah. Like everything is, it's all, you know, milk and honey. Uh, no, it's absolutely fucking terrifying. <laughs> the, you try paying rent on fucking like, on like 10 bucks minimum wage. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, like I've had family members, um, Family members that are citizens or family members that are not citizens, um, who are, are legal immigrants and also illegal or undocumented immigrants. And I've had, uh, family members and neighbors that have been deported, um, under the Obama administration and under, not yet under the Trump administration. Yeah. You know, so it, 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 the Democrats and the Republicans, I mean, the, no matter who you vote for, the bombs are still going to drop in the <laughs> Middle East. And no matter who you vote for, the the immigrants uh, are still going to get deported uh, here in America. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's and I personally, I've been stopped by the by the Anaheim Police Department once. I've been stopped by the LAPD. Um, I feel it's worse when I do visit LA um, by the LAPD and Los Angeles uh, Sheriff's Department. Uh, I feel like they are worse than, in some cases, than, well, than, um, the Anaheim Police Department. But the Anaheim Police Department, by no means, is, is anywhere yeah. near even adequate or moderate, you know. Cause it's like, they, they started a riot because they shot someone a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's not good. And, and yeah, there, there definitely is still a lot of profiling, especially in, in, in Orange County. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, you kind of told us like how you became a socialist, like kind of what circumstances kind of pushed you into kind of our ideological end of the, of the spectrum. Um, but like, you know, one thing I noticed is like people, 
usually get pushed into leftism, like ideologically, but then not everyone actually gets up and, you know, gets off uh, their chair, like their, their armchair and actually goes out and do stuff. Um, and I, I know you're, you're like, like you said before, you're, you're kind of everywhere. Yeah. Um, you're very much, a, um, an, I guess I would call a non-sectarian leftist. Yeah, I'm definitely non-sectarian. I'm definitely pro-left unity. I work with anarchists, communists, socialists, you know, social democrats um, to to better the cause. Um, I think the the things that really made me um, actually start acting instead of being a keyboard warrior yeah. <laughs> is um, reading ideology, reading literature, as well as um, real life events. Um because once I actually turned 18, I got a job and working for uh, a huge corporation, I worked at a hotel and the way that they treated uh, immigrant workers and how much we got paid and all the benefits that we did not have, um, that really um, uh, pushed me into being like, hey, this is not right. Like, we need to do something about it. As well as um, the homeless issue here in Orange County, because the hotel that I worked for was right next to the riverbed. Um, it's it's right next to the Honda Center. Um, so I saw the homeless people every day and the struggles that they went through and how they were harassed by the police on a daily basis. Um, that that was definitely something that that made me. Um, that, that made me get involved and thinking about, hey, I can't afford rent with this job, even though I'm working 40 hours a week at this hotel because I was making $9 an hour minimum wage uh, like two years ago in Orange County was $9 an hour. There's like no way that I can afford. I could afford rent, but literally nothing else. Like I couldn't even pay the yeah. bills or whatever. So if it wasn't for the help of my family or, or living with my family, if it wasn't the help of friends, then I would just be in living out of my car in the parking lot of Walmart or in the riverbed with the rest of the homeless people, yeah. you know, and I'm working and there are people that live, that have that. There are a whole bunch of people that are homeless and have jobs and people don't realize that. They're like, yeah. just get a job, but they do. So I think the homeless issue and actually getting into the workforce was the thing that pushed me over. And and, and reading more literature. I, it's actually funny because I got radicalized through memes on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that, I, that's, I was very active on Instagram or on Politogram. And then um, I started reading uh, Kropotkin, um, you know, The Conquest of Bread. And I read Rosa Luxemburg's... Uh, uh, reform revolution and i've read uh lenin's you know is you know um the the development of capital of uh, capitalism in russia and state and revolution and all his other works i've also read trotsky's permanent revolution um so i i've definitely uh and i've of course i read marx um so i've definitely and i'm i just finished gramsci's um prison notebooks Ooh, nice. uh and I, so I've definitely read a lot of other um, leftist books um, and actually putting concrete details on on my real life events. So it's kind of putting the literature put perspective uh, and, uh, on my real life events. So that uh, that really like gave me the energy to start acting. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, that's that's something I, I always kind of hear is a. Uh... Kind of, uh, especially one big thing I've noticed, um, especially with leftism, at least as of the time of this recording, is like 
whether or not uh, reading theory matters. Um, I, I, I'm pers- I, I would love to hear your opinion on like what your you know, your opinion is on whether or not like reading theory is like a necessity or whether it's like not necessary or if it's like actually kind of counterintuitive or like you know what's what, what's your you know opinion on on theory i i don't think reading theory is necessary but i think it helps ah. because reading theory may change uh your perspective and as well as um, when you read Lenin or when you read Gramsci, they're talking about 1919 Russia or they're talking about 1919 Italy, you know, and Gramsci made mistakes and people have criticized Gramsci and said, hey, like you should have saw fascism coming with Benito yeah. Mussolini. Like, or, why do you hate democracy so much? <laughs> or Yeah, like you should have like, well, like feudalism doesn't exist in America or, you know, just certain stuff like that, like. It's you have to you have to take what you think works or could work now in America. Um, but no, I, I definitely I, I feel like I feel like reading theory helps, but it's not necessary because if you read theory, um, you could learn from the mistakes that they made. Yes. So I think that's why. But um, the energy is there. But sometimes reading theory gives you plans you know it, it gives it, you a framework it gives you a framework a blueprint on on how to work it out and say hey this worked for them will it work for me but I'm, I'm definitely not an ideologue where it says this is the way that the revolution has come about and you have to follow a b c d and if it doesn't then the revolution won't come about or you're wrong and i won't work with you you know <laughs> It's like uh, talking to workers is uh, kind of revolutionary. <laughs> like you need to sit in your armchair all day and do nothing and just have the workers' revolution come about naturally. Like I, I know that's like a very min- very minority opinion even within the left com community. But like, yeah, just read theory all day, don't do anything. And then there's others who are like, no, theory is like bullshit. It doesn't matter. Um, and again, like they're again a very small minority and they're kind of assholes too. But <laughs> you know. Um, like, like most things, it's not a fully black and white, you know, binary issue. It's, it's always usually almost somewhere in the middle. It's just a matter of what do you think, uh, you know, what has uses, what doesn't. Yeah. You just honestly have to take what you think of or uh, what you think are the best ideas from everyone. So I've, I've taken what I believe to be the best ideas from, from Luxembourg and from Lenin, from Trotsky, from Kropotkin, um, from Gramsci um, and I know a lot of people will say well they're um, contradictory yeah. or they're this or they're that um, in some cases they are contradictory but I think uh, not not all you can you can still be a, an anarchist or an anarcho-syndicalist anarcho-communist and still believe in uh, Trotsky's idea of, of, of permanent revolution or you can still be that and, and believe in um, degenerative worker states or deformed his concept of deformed worker states um yeah yeah, i mean you know just just take the best ideas of everybody and make it into your own so i i would call myself a marxist i would call myself a revolution revolutionary socialist but i i definitely don't like to put a label on it because when you do um then you kind of um push some some people away and I'm the complete opposite. I, I have friends of of every stripe, and I, I work with all organizations because I've worked with the IWW, and I've worked with the Marxist-Leninist PSL, and I've worked with the Socialist Party USA, 
and the DSA. And I've also even worked with Refuse Fascism and, and the Maoists there and, and the John Brown Gun Club, you know, and, and, you know, uh, and I think it's very important in, to unite in places where we can all have agreement, such as anti-fascist action. You know, I think that's one place where, we, kind of no-brainer. Where it's a no-brainer. And the the thing is, the right wing says the same as well. You know, when, um, they have a lot of sectarian uh, issues within within the right wing, um, between the white nationalists and the civic nationalists, you know, um, and the libertarians and, you know. Those disrasserists. Uh, yeah. And the, so you have the people like the traditionalist workers party and you have people that read the Daily Stormer. Um, and, um, then you have the Minutemen and then you have the militia groups and some people, um, the white nationalists, um, <laughs> that read the Daily Stormer and are part of like Adam Waffen division. They think that the Oath Keepers and the three percenters are pussies, you know, because on paper, the Oath Keepers and three percenters are not racist. You know, but in reality, they have a whole bunch of racists in them. Our problem is they're not racist enough. They're not racist enough. Yes, exactly. So I, I've, I've, but I see that the right wing is at certain times they disintegrate or, or they don't want to work together. But other times when they do, it's very dangerous when they do. Yeah. So therefore, I think it's very important that, um, that, um, us leftists really drop these minuscule differences or you know some people may call minuscule differences some people may say that they're a little more than minuscule yeah awesome uh thank you so much for being interviewed thank you for having me yeah this is a uh, you know this is byron and uh adrian yeah, and this is a uh, movement of color That last hot beat was brought to you by Manny Rivers. Normally it'd be me toiling away in the Beats Lab, creating all this music. So thank you, Manny. Manny Rivers, the song is called Amanza. So with that being said, guess what, guys? We're done. Okay, so please remember to support us at patreon.com backslash movement of color and follow us on Twitter at movement underscore color. My name is Brandon Payton Carrillo. I wish you well. I love you all. Adios. Color.